Hey guys, and welcome to episode 8. This is Trevor, just here to tell you that we talked for very long on this episode, so we have decided to split the episode into two parts. This is part 1, what you're watching now, and part 2 will come out later this week on Friday morning. Episode 9 will still be coming out regular time next week. Uh, on our on Tuesday, our normal release, so don't worry about that. It's just this episode needed to be split into two parts because it was so long. I'm not sure if this will become a pattern in the future as we get to talking about more and more aspects of the book. It's just Paul and Elliot had a lot of questions and a lot of theories about these chapters specifically as we were finishing up part two of The Way of Kings. Uh, be sure to check out part two on Friday when it releases. We've got some fan art that I got permission from the artist to show, and Paul and Elliot had some cool reactions to it, so be sure to check out part two when it comes out on Friday. Thanks, guys. Hey, and welcome back to episode eight of Following know it On. Today we're going to be covering chapters 26 through 28, finishing up the second part of the book. Trevor, what are your two words this week? So my two words for these chapters, let me find them, are resolve and progress. Resolve and progress, okay. Okay, what about you, Elliot? Mine, mine were a little more simple. I had singing and toil. Toil, like T-O-I-L? Toil, like toil, foil, but with a T. Yes, toil. And singing, okay. Interesting, interesting. So we had resolve and progress. Is that correct? Yes. And then, and then singing and toil, okay. Yep. Cool. So, Trevor, do you want to go ahead and explain your two words for us? Sure. So, Resolve is for Dalinar. He has been he has been deciding and debating in his mind for, quite literally, for the entirety of Chapter 28. But this has kind of been weighing on his mind for multiple chapters uh, leading up to this of what he needs to do about these visions. Is he actually going mad? Is this from the Almighty? Is this, it, does he need to stay in um, as High Prince to lead his house? He doesn't know what he's doing. And at the end, the very end of chapter 28, he has resolved his decision and he finally comes to a decision. And progress is for Kaladin. He is, at the end of chapter 27, he is finally getting through to the Bridgeman. The entirety of chapter 27, it's very, very about com comradeship and fellowship, and he's finally breaking through and re reminding these Bridgemen what it is to be human, and that's progress. Truly, yeah. I'm impressed that you came up with such deep words right off the bat. That was... Uh... <laughs> just just popped right into your mind, I imagine. Got him. Uh, what about your two words, Elliot? 
So I had singing and toil. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about toil first. I actually am I'm stealing yours a little bit from last time. Last episode, I think you had hardworking as, as one word. I also originally wrote hardworking for my, my word for this episode, <laughs> but then I had to pull up a, th- a thesaurus to find a one-word version of that. So I came up with toil mm. as my one word for, for hardworking. But I, I put that in there just because I think Dalinar, Dalinar has has kind of a an epiphany moment. Well, kind of, where he he uses his shard his shard plate to work instead of fight, and he realizes in that moment that there's value in hard work, and hard work can teach us a lesson. And I think that's part of what he's been learning from Way of Kings all this time is that you you have to get down and dirty sometimes and and put your put your back into it to to understand what the the people you're leading are are experiencing or going through. And so that's why I did toil also because the the bridgemen have a, a pretty nasty hardworking job in front of them as well in the in the chasms, which we'll talk about. So that was toil. And then singing, because I noticed a couple examples of singing in these chapters. The first one was we learned that the Parshendi sing as they fight. Mm-hmm. I, have, I have questions on that, which we'll, we'll get to. But then also part of the the progress that you just talked about, Trevor, that Calvin makes, he makes a lot of that through the use of singing and bringing the group together there's a couple different examples where they they sing together and that brings them together with this sort of brotherhood bond and i thought that was really really cool so singing that is yeah i'm very very proud of of your words this week well done thank you thank you it's my first time so i didn't want to yeah i didn't want to fall flat (laughs) i really thought about it good intro into it all right uh before we get too far though we should back up a little bit and do a spell check so the spell check for this week is it's pretty simple it's not it's nothing too crazy like we had a couple weeks ago but uh (laughs) uh this one is we're just getting to know some of the new bridgemen so the first uh spell check elliot is the bridgemen who Rock prompts to start singing, and he's a little nervous at first, but he does actually end up singing. And uh, how would you like to say this name? This is one of the ones that makes me nervous that you're picking this because I can't think of any other way to pronounce this name. So I'm going to go with Dunny. Yep. It, Perfect. It's Dunny. Okay. Yep. Okay. Uh, you had me worried. <laughs> Paul, what do, what do you got? I spelled this the only way I could think that made practical sense in my mind. And I have a feeling it's going to be incorrect because it's always, always not what I think. But I just did a simple D-U-N-N-Y. Correct. Boom. Good job, gentlemen. It's a a nice softball to start it off. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Uh, Our second one is another Bridgman. All three of them are Bridgman, actually. And the second one is a bridgeman who challenges Kaladin and is not very. He he's he's been mentioned a couple times um, coming into this or chapter, but he's particularly grumpy at at Kaladin as we've seen him. Uh, Elliot, how would you like to say this name? 
So I think the Bridgman you're referring to is Sigzil? Yes. Is it just Sigzil? Sigzil, yes. Aha! Zigzil. Two for two. Sigs, Sigzil with a Sigzil. There you okay, go. that's what I thought. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kind of abnormal here. I'm going to say S-Y-G-Z-Y-L. Sigzil. Wait, is it S-Y-G-Z? Yeah. I'm sticking with that. All right, uh, Elliot, you wanna you wanna correct him? You're not very close. Pretty on. Just 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 swap your vowels. You should have gone for simpler. Okay. Just put some eyes in there, and you would have had it. Okay, I went for the 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 adventurous assumption. Yeah, the exotic. I, I respect that. Yeah. Um, and our our last one uh, is a Bridgman who defends Kaladin. Um, when Sigzil kind of gets on his back for trying to be chipper in these dark, depressing chasms. Uh, Elliot, do you know who I'm referring to there? I think so. So so pressure's on now. I feel like I've I've got to get this one right so I can get the, the perfect score. I don't think I've gotten close to that one yet. And and this one has me a little worried too. But uh, for this guy, I'm going to go... I'm going to go with... Dre. I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore some things and I'm gonna go with Dre. Okay. So in the audiobook he's known as Drehe. Um ah! there's another there's another vowel in there. And uh Paul, how would you like to spell this? Drehe. Dre. It, it they kind of smash it together. It's kinda of like Dre. Yeah. Okay. So I'm gonna go with D R A H E. Totally off, but it's my. You're not super far off. It's it's just D R E H Y. Interesting. I definitely would not have gotten. Hmm. I I went for completely ignoring the H and just smashing the E and Y together, but <laughs> I was wrong. Basically. All right. Uh, I think last week was Pass. better, but it's not it's not ter- not terrible. So good good job, gentlemen. We overthought these ones. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, They're almost too kind of easier. So so we're maybe, like, oh no, it's not that easy. Right? Maybe maybe I should have led with this, but uh, these names are relatively simple because Brandon Sanderson put his friends in Bridge Four. So oh. these are these are nicknames and shortened names of Brandon Sanderson's real life friends who uh, he put in Bridge Four. Interesting. It's kind of a lame a... place to be put. <laughs> it's rather like, wouldn't want to be rather unfortunate. Boy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a cool Easter egg. Yep. Um. Okay. So chapter twenty six. I would like to actually lead this one and I'm going to highlight that in in this chapter we get a couple different scenes actually this chapter is relatively long in that it has multiple scenes in it but it's not the longest as 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 far as word count goes the other two are longer than that but multiple things happen in this chapter. So Dalinar is 
uh, debating with Renarin. He's listening to the Way of Kings, um, and it's not comforting him. He's he's listening to this passage about uh, Noadon is sitting in a chair, and he's looking at candles on a shelf. And he's musing about, I could snuff these candles out with one breath, and but they could also, you know, kill me if I get too close because I could catch on fire. And if I don't keep these candles in in something contained, then they're going to burn down what they were meant to illuminate. And he's kind of just musing and rambling, and you don't really know what's happening. And Dalinar, he usually goes, he usually asks for a reading of the Way of Kings when he's upset or wants to sit and think for a bit. And today it's not working for him. It, he is, he's deliberate, deliberating about these visions that he's having and what he needs to do with the kingdom. And his mind is not uh, settling. And kind of halfway through this, uh, there's a bridge run that starts and he does end up going on it. But before we get there, I just wanted to highlight that there's a lot going on in Dalinar's mind. And if he, if he were to reveal everything that's happening in his mind, he would look more mad or crazy, whatever word you want to look there or whatever word you want to put in there. He would look more mad than everyone is already perceiving him to be. If you if you were to fully disclose what's happening, people would trust him less, not more. The the more bits and pieces of the Way of Kings, the the in book Way of Kings, the one Dalinar's listening to, the more more we get of that, the more I'm getting the the impression that it, it is so at odds with the current Alethi culture and Dalinar's aspiring to these values that, that Noadon is writing about in, in his book. And in at least my perspective, this seems an honorable thing to do. These are, are worthy pursuits of understanding the responsibility of leadership and understanding what it, the, the burden of leadership is and, and all this stuff. But Dalinar knows this is so not, what the Alethi are about. It's not at all in line with the values of Alethi culture, which is creating the conundrum that, that he finds himself in. And something to remember, which we found out last episode, is Nohadon himself was a king of Alethkar a long time ago. So juxtaposing the way of kings with current alethi culture you've you've seen how far the alethi culture has fallen from what they originally aspired to and what dalinar yep. is trying to live up to sadius even laughs in his face about nobody nobody lived like that it, it never was that good you're you're trying to force onto your men and onto yourself things that nobody actually cares about you're that this is not a worthy pursuit. But yeah, uh, just another thing real quick before we move on. The the mental image of my in my head when he was walking around his quarters and he's stepping on this this rug that he stops and thinks about, this rug is too fine. I'm at war. I should be in a war camp, not a palace. And the mental image of him just 
losing his mind and picking up all of this art and rugs and stuff and just throwing it out the door and then what everyone would think of him if he actually did that and then he he also thinks about the way of kings as words emanating from the book like stormlight from a sphere if he were to if he were to describe that to another man as words trying to speak to him they would think he would be crazy they would they would say you're you're actually losing your mind you you need to stop yeah it's interesting how there's the the whole roles and and things that men and women can and can't do in this universe is is kind of fascinating because it's just so extreme right like uh, people are under the impression that Gavilar knew how to read which was like crazy or was it no it was knew how to write correct so knew how to write yes and, and that was just no way like no way that's a, a man knew how to write and such and so yeah i just think of i guess the status quo that's that's upheld there and how dalinar can't talk to anyone about his his you know his new book club so (laughs) (laughs) it it reminds me it it takes me back to the the conversation that kaladin had with sill one of the times when he was carrying the the plank back and forth in the the bridgeman camp and they're talking about and what is madness? And Sill's asking him about that to try and figure it out. And she basically comes to the conclusion like, oh, so it's just whoever whoever the majority votes as, you know, he's not like us, so so he's therefore mad. I think that that's that's exactly what's happening to Dalinar. He he's the one that has the truth, if you will, but because no one else sees it and he's the only one he's seen as as mad and so he gets this label of of madness put on him even when he's the one who's actually aspiring to a higher calling than the rest of them true i i really like that and i thought that was such an interesting moment to kind of look at madness in in that sort of way as simply an outlier from a group and it's very how dalinar is here uh, even further on, we'll we'll touch on it later. But Dalinar doing things so out of the norm as to like help these workers, um, like do their work for them and things like that. He's just like viewed as as a crazy person just because he's different. Even though we, the reader, know what he's doing seems good and it seems like a a great way to lead, or at least a great way of especially from his perspective on how to help the situations around him. Um, But he's labeled as crazy because what he's doing is simply different or abnormal to them. Yep, exactly. The uh, there's a quote that I want to read that's in chapter 26 and it's between uh, Sadius and uh, Dalinar. They're on on their way out to they're on their way out to this bridge run that Dalinar has finally decided he wants to go on and we'll talk about that in a second but Sadius rides up beside him and they're talking about the radiance and the way of kings and if it's really worth living up to those types of things because the radiance after all betrayed them or at least that's what they think that's what they've been taught 
is that the Radiance eventually betrayed them. And uh, this is Sadius speaking. They used elaborate tricks to imitate great powers and pretend a holy calling. When their deceptions were discovered, they fled. Their powers were not lies, they were real, Dalinar replied. Oh, Sadius said, amused, you know this? Didn't you just say that ev the events were so old it might as well been in the shadow days? If the Radiance had so much marvelous power, why can nobody reproduce them? Where did those incredible skills go? I don't know, Dalinar said softly. Perhaps we're just not worthy of them any longer. Sadius sniffed. That book, that book ruined Gavilar. Now it's doing the same to you. You've listened to those stories so much, they've got your head full of false ideals. Nobody ever really lived the way the codes claim. The, the quote that really sticks out to me in there is Dalinar says, maybe we're not worthy of them anymore. To Sadius, Sadius is convinced that the Radiants were, were liars at best and treasonous at the worst, where they, they pretended to have all these special powers and pretended to live up to these codes, but nobody ever really did that. They, they lied about that, and maybe they even went further than that and betrayed us to whoever, the Voidbringers, somebody. He doesn't know. But uh, I just really like that quote, that Dalinar fully believes that the Radiants had these powers and were, not, were no longer uh, worthy of them. I, I do think Dalinar has a little more insight than, than Sadius does, or at least we think he does because of the combination of his study of the Way of Kings and also the visions that he's got. And, I, and we don't know if he can trust what he's seen in the visions or not yet. Dalinar doesn't know if he can trust them quite yet, but I think that Dalinar is hitting on the truth that Sadius just can't even understand. Sadius is, that's all he's ever been trained to know. That's all he's ever seen is, is the way Alethi culture is now, whereas Dalinar is kind of the one who's who's seeing back to the truth but i do think in in this scene particularly sadius i think sadius is really just pushing down our buttons I, I think he's coming up and he knows how to get down our riled up and that's exactly what he's doing here he's he's mocking him he's goading him he's trying to get a reaction out of him it almost makes me think that Sadius almost seems like he's trying to push Dalinar over the edge on purpose. Not literally because they're walking along chasms, like not over that edge, but right. over the, the mental edge. He's trying, you know, he's seeing, you know, Dalinar, you're on the edge of, of going crazy. What if I just, what if I push you a little bit? Can I get you to, to snap and really become crazy? That, that almost seems like what he's, what he's after here, which kind of makes me just ask like, what are you, what are you trying to do here, Sadius? Why, why, what is your motive? What's, what are you doing this for? And kind of in response to that, uh, we see some interesting switches with, with Dalinar in that um, we have labeled as the Blackthorn is back. He, he uh, kind of works to, to rein, what's the word? reinvigor this, uh, this heroic aspect, like 
figure that he he's known to be um, in battle and goes on a uh, plateau run. Yes, I was going to say bridge run, but he's not running the bridge. So <laughs> run. Um, out, and, and you kind of see this like life reinstilled and, and kind of the thrill and the rush of battle again. And um, I think that was an interesting thing, even though it doesn't go super well for him. He kind of has a, a midlife crisis almost in the middle of it. Um but kind of, kind of on the edge of um, trying trying to push Dalinar off this mental edge. I feel like he kind of bounced back almost with that. It wasn't in direct response, but almost his indirect response to, to that. So uh, something I want to highlight here, and Elliot, I'll ask you to answer this question for Paul, but I'm going to need a theory from each of you about this. Elliot, how is the thrill annotated in the book? Are you referring to the fact that thrill is capitalized in the book? The thrill is capitalized. And it's been referenced multiple times. Sadius has asked Dalinar if he still feels the thrill. And Dalinar has asked Adolin if he feels the thrill. And both of them have been uncomfortable when questioned about this. And the thrill is capitalized each time. Uh, let's start with Paul. Do you have any opening thoughts about this? Any guesses on why thrill is capitalized? What is the thrill? Why do they keep saying this? The thrill, my, my guess is that it might be tied to the the old Dalinar and that kind of like the Blackthorn right the this this character who's ferocious in battle and just heroic and honorable and so maybe maybe Thrill is Dalinar is kind of in that state in this like heroic fighting Blackthorn state, uh, as opposed to his more, I guess you could call it his new self, where he's seems a little more old and a lot more, more of a thinker, right? Less of a, a vigilant fighting hero and more of a, a thinker. So that, I guess that'd be my guess is thrill referring to, um, the the fighting the warrior Dalinar. Okay, Elliot. So I think the 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 bit in the chapter that talks about this refers to it as the the lust for battle. And I think so far the the examples we've seen of thrill seem fairly similar in my mind to like adrenaline, but it, it seems to be a little more tied to battle than than just the generic uh, adrenaline that boost of, of that energy or excitement. It seems to be maybe kind of a cross between adrenaline and and bloodlust or, or or that kind of mist of battle that's sometimes described as coming over a warrior when they when they enter battle, just this mist before their eyes, and they they go crazy and go all berserker or whatever. So I think I think I'm gonna kind of guess that it's it's kind of the mixture of the the chemical boost of of adrenaline with the 
battle lust, bloodlust side of the sort of berserker warrior. Okay. Something that that, that that's great. And something I want to highlight here is it's not 100% adrenaline because none of the bridgemen have mentioned it. It deliberately has something to do with fighting oh, yeah. because the bridgemen certainly have adrenaline and are scared for their lives and they are running into battle, but they are not fighting and they have never mentioned the thrill. So the thrill has something to do with fighting. Yep, that makes sense. That that's really curious to me, since yeah, I never would have known thrill was capitalized from the audiobook. I and I, that's an interesting word to capitalize. So. I didn't know it was capitalized until I read the book, which was my third read through, and I was like, "Oh, interesting." There's there's a few other words too that are that are randomly capitalized that are that are not proper nouns and. I'm I'm currently working on a theory for why these other words are capitalized, but I feel like I don't have enough evidence yet to pull it together. So I've I've kind of just started a list of of capitalized words. Thrill is on that list. Calling is another one that's that's on that list. But I need I need some more examples before I can make a guess as to why. Okay, let's let's discuss the battle itself because we get we do get a. The battle isn't fully annotated. They they talk about the beginning of the battle and how they uh, set up for the battle and a little bit about the Parshendi, but then it cuts to they won the battle. So they they start by setting this huge siege siege bridge, which is led by Chulls, and as it's being pushed across. Dalinar and Adolin themselves run across this bridge and jump over the bridge first. They are the first ones across, and they're clearing this this landing for the bridge, and so everyone else can come across. And there's some cool descriptions of how two shard blades fight next to each other. They they're like within within arc reach of each other, but not too close that they hurt each other. So like they can keep the blade moving and they both like kind of spin in circles next to each other it's kind of an interesting dynamic but um just keep in mind that this is absolutely not how sadius does his his bridges yeah complete opposite really of how sadius does his bridges and i loved this section it was so awesome to just i i can picture this in my mind you know the movie scene for this is crystal clear of of Dalinar and Adolin just charging this chasm and leaping across and just landing and, and clearing out all these these Parshendi while their men coming behind them and, and ironically even Sadius is is sitting behind them watching them do this lead from the front whereas his method of battle is not only lead from behind but let's send in the unarmed slaves first to take all the the arrows and, and, and death, and then we'll send in the soldiers because I don't even want to risk my soldiers, much much less myself as the, the charge. But no, Dalinar and Adolin, they are the ones to lead the charge, and it is so cool. I, I, I also love this section. I also loved this section. I, I really <laughs> did like it's very vivid imagery, and, and you can you can picture it very easily with 
uh, them like leaping in and, and starting this fight. Um, so this is also the fight that Dalinar in the middle kind of has a, a a mental breakdown, doesn't he? Is this yes. is this where that happens? Yeah, he, he hesitates. Yeah, definitely. So at first he is so thrilled with with the battle and how um, I don't know maybe he feels young again or something and then he kind of he gets really worried and one starts thinking about you know how much death and destruction is going on around and uh, mentally trying to cope with that in the middle and it, it was an interesting like back and forth internally there yeah this this seems to be the moment for me that he he really doubts himself for maybe the first time like i think he's had some creeping doubts maybe leading up to this but this is the big moment that then leads into the the dilemma the discussion he has with himself all throughout chapter 28 where he's he's wrestling with the decision he has to make but this is the moment of he hesitates in battle he falters and that's never happened to him before it definitely felt like a big moment what it, what i read it as and what i read it as the first time i i listened to this book was suddenly he doesn't know why he's fighting he needs to yeah he's he's always known why he's fighting he's fighting for gavilar he's fighting for the vengeance of gavilar and he's in the middle of fighting and he feels sick he doesn't know why he's fighting he doesn't know why he's killing he needs to find something and he does shortly after he fights for his men he looks around he sees the lives of his men who are there for him and decides to continue fighting because his men are there and they need him but uh, that i read it my first time as he doesn't know why he's fighting anymore so he needs to figure that out before he goes back out there yep now, this was also the battle that we learned quite a bit, or at least some, about the Parshendi, which I was fascinated by. We get a, a handful of different details about how they fight. We learn that they fight in pairs. We we learn that they're they're strong, they're heavily armored, but at the same time, they're fast and they're agile and they can jump around and they're they're hard to deal with. There's also a comment in there about how how well coordinated they move on the battle and how they almost, I don't know, they, they seem to know what each other are thinking or almost, I don't think it said that, but that was kind of the, where, where my, my head was going with it. And then the most interesting fact to me tied into my, my word for this one, or one of my words was they sing as they fight. And it even talks about their song changes as like their tactics change in the battle. That was, I, I have no idea what to think of that, but it, it definitely stood out to me as that's really interesting. Yeah, since you since you pointed that out, I've thought about it more. And talking about how coordinated their attacks are, it would make sense kind of with the singing and that they're kind of in rhythm with each other. And it's kind of that yeah. like rhythmic like flow and they all have some way to kind of be in sync in, in a way, which which I think is really interesting and honestly kind of a cool tactic. Yeah, my guess for the purpose is to put everyone in a similar rhythm. Um, I mean, it, I don't know. Maybe they just like singing, but that <laughs> that'd be my my guess as to to what the purpose is for 
the singing, but that's very interesting. I've never heard of anything like yeah. that. It's kind of so. Same. If you remember back to the prologue, where Zeth kills Gavilar, the Parshendi are there at the feast. Gavilar is signing a treaty with the Parshendi, and there is a big feast. And the one thing that's, well, one of the things that's mentioned about the Parshendi is they have celebratory drums. And they are they are there celebrating with their music. The Alethi don't really like their music, but by the end of it, their Alethi are all drunk enough to dance to the, the drums of, of the Parshendi, and they don't care. Now, if you tie this singing to, like, uh medieval time battle tactics sometimes they would have sometimes uh armies would have drum uh like like drums in the back to signal to the the troops to keep them coordinated of are we pushing are we retreating that type of thing so that's that's where my mind went when you hear these the singing and it changes as they change tactics they're they're communicating they're talking about are we pushing are we are we backing are we trapping what are we doing there it's it's a rhythm of uh coordination yeah but it's that's super cool yeah, it's interesting like the, i i always i have this image in my mind now that there's someone at the very back i guess the the war chieftain who's the one who just sings and then it's kind of like a chain maybe and then he changes the song, and then it kind of chains up to the front again. Right. But yeah. That uh, that's just a random image that I that I thought of, but which would be funny. They just have the head choir master yeah. at the top. You know, <laughs> they, whoever sings the best and the loudest is the in charge of the, Ki- the army. Kind of coordinated with that is at the very end of chapter twenty six. Dalinar sees a Parshendi shard bearer on the other plateau the the shard bear was not in the battle but as he's kind of looking off to the west or west or east with one of them and musing east. yeah he's looking east and uh and he's musing about oh what am i going to do now kind of how he how he does that he sees this parshendi shard bearer and they kind of stare at each other for a second and then he runs away so maybe maybe that's the lead singer could be i i found the moment though where Dalinar's looking up at that shard bearer as as odd because we learned before that the parshendi have shard bearers we we already knew that but why wasn't the shard bearer in the battle why was he hanging back and not fighting that seems that seems really odd to me the parshendi seem to have this very coordinated battle tactic but you'd think that you definitely want your shard bearer at least somewhere involved, and he wasn't, so odd. Yep. Before we... So now's probably... Go ahead. Now's probably a good time to actually uh, jump ahead just a, a smidgen while we're talking about Parshendi. It's in the Kaladin chapters, but but we... Or chapter, chapter 27... But we learn a little bit more even in those chapters about Parshendi. We learn there that the Parshendi grow their armor out of their skin, yep. which that that's crazy. I was not expecting that yeah. when we had that moment. 
and yeah. and then there's a little bits where they're the bridgemen are kind of going through their their belongings and their pieces and i think my takeaway from some of that was they're they're realizing that the parshendi are more culturally developed than they thought they they originally thought that they were just pure barbarians and they're realizing that no actually he's got this this sword with these very ornate inscriptions or engravings on it and and they kind of have this thought of wow these guys are a little more developed than we thought they were so something that we could hearken back to is roshar is earth but crustacean and every everybody or everything that grows here it's it's grass but it's underwater grass and it's it's a it's a dog but it's an underwater dog with antenna and six legs and this is a troll it's basically a cow but it's got a shell and it's it's a crab yeah yep so perhaps barshendi are crab people they grow their own carapace armor and shells and stuff like that apparently I don't like that imagery, but you could be, <laughs> be accurate. Um, yeah, maybe so. So are the... This is, I guess, a brief uh, rewind with the Parshendi. I know we've learned about about them a little bit, but are they from... Do they live like near the Shattered Plains? I don't remember the map. Like I don't know... We've been in the Shattered Plains. We've been a little around there, but we have not seen the whole world yet. And I don't remember fully where they're from. Are they from, like, a weird place? So here's what you know so far. The Parshmen are all over Roshar. They are docile. They're, They're human in form, but they have dark skin. They've got patterns on their skin. And nobody treats them as human. And randomly, Dalinar and Gavilar were hunting a chasm fiend on the south side of the Shattered Plains. And they run across Parshendi. And this is explained to you in chapter 28. Um, as Dalinar recounts this to Yasna um, over Spanreed, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, they found Parshendi... The very first Alethi sighting of Parshendi was the south side of the, these Shattered Plains. And they, origi- they originally couldn't communicate with them. The Parshendi did not speak Alethi, but they very quick, the, the Parshendi very quickly learned Alethi. That's all you know. Interesting. I think it's crazy that they very quickly learned Alethi, considering how... As far as we know, they're not very intelligent, or at least that's what the people of uh, the people in the story think. But it's starting to seem as if they might be very intelligent and just very different. I think we had some some hints in in previous chapters as well, where Dalinar's thinking about the Parshendi, and I want to say there's a section where he notes that the the Parshendi seemed strangely prepared to be sieged in the shattered plains they were ready for it they they had planned this out to have the alethi chase them to the shattered plains and then they're prepared to hole up for a long time here and that 
that again just doesn't seem to quite make any sense. The the Parshendi seem to be smart. They seem to be very capable, very dangerous warriors, and yet their general tactics and strategy don't don't seem to make a lot of sense. There there's got to be something else at play here that that we haven't seen yet. Yep. Um. So, yeah. There's. You guys can start theorizing, but also the Alethi don't know why <laughs> why Gav why they killed Gavilar. They still don't know. They, the Parshendi took credit for it, uh, for the assassin in white, who we know as Zeth, but they don't. The Alethi still don't know why there was an assassination. So, maybe there was some cultural misunderstanding. Who knows? Maybe you're just... Maybe a culture that was a sign of respect. Right, maybe you're just supposed to <laughs> send... When you make an alliance, maybe you're just supposed to send their leader to the Tranquiline Halls. Maybe uh, that's maybe that's just a, yeah. a common courtesy. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the, hi, how are you? Nice to meet you. I'm Seth. Yeah. You know. um. <laughs> Here's my shard blade. Goodbye. Yep. <laughs> exactly.